All right, still tapping right. over here. <laughs> still tapping. <laughs> um, well, saying, uh, the only time I had Reiki, she said that I, she could talk to my dead relative, and my relative said, "Keep dancing." <laughs> Shut up. No, I'm not joking. That was uh, that was it. Keep Wait, dancing. Did she, did she say which relative? Started with an R. I don't have any relatives that start with R. My name starts with an R. My name starts with an R. Keep dancing. You're not dead though, right? <laughs> oh God, I hope not. That would suck. That would be weird if I was like my very dearest friend of 15 years has been dead all along. <laughs> it would not though. <laughs> well, um, my name's Ravenna, your very dearest friend. Oh, my name is Audra, Ravenna's very dearest friend. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are going to do a podcast because we've known each other for a long time, and we talk on the phone, and we always talk about really interesting things, and... Um, and I think the people in our lives who overhear our conversations are always very, very curious why we're laughing so hard. And, uh, we wanted to kind of share that joy during the pandemic. So, um, which is French for pandemic. And, um, so let's, I feel like people could have put that together. (laughs) Pandemic. Pandemic. I just completely. Come on, on, Yale. Being, you being a Yaley right now. I just want to say the number of times that I say something stupid and the first thing someone says is, yeah, incredibly high. Like I should just, it's just so, so now, you know, now I, I should just, I either have to only say smart things, which is never going to happen or, uh, people are going to have to accept that, um, Yaleys are mad dumb. At times. I mean, I fully have accepted the dumb, <laughs> the dumb yellies. <laughs> That's no problem. Sorry for using that yell slur on you, my friend. That's quite all right. Um, <clears throat> you want to. My, sis- my sister every, every so often says, aren't you supposed to be smart? Uh, <laughs> oh my God. What is it? What? No, no. <laughs> Too much pressure. It's too much. It's way, way too much pressure. Here it is, day like 135. I've completely given up wearing a bra. I've stopped washing my hair, which is part of the no shampoo movement. But like a lot of things have, you know, not uh, not going to plan, shall we say? I mean, I don't think that you not wearing a bra should count for anything. <laughs> <laughs> like if I were to not wear a bra, like you know, that's a different story. But like, yeah, I mean, I give you credit for the no shampoo, but beyond that, I I have been no bra. I've been anti bra for years, and in general, I've been anti clothing for years. I'll I'll be completely honest. I just I don't. I think we all wear too much clothing. I don't get it. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I do think the pandemic has thrown off a few things. As I was saying earlier, I was up till two in the morning washing all of my floors for some unknown reason. Um, probably cause I felt like it. Um, and also now that I have a weekend, which feels so, so weird not to like teach and do concerts. It's just like the most bizarre thing. And also I, you know, when you live with a cat, 
it's not as if your Friday nights or Saturday nights are all that exciting, you know? I don't know about your house, but we're having parties over here. (laughs) I can tell you to have a party. Well, no, she has her catnip. She has her catnip. She enjoys that. Yes. Um, We've somehow gotten way off topic. We should talk about how we met. Oh, yes, we're doing that. How we met. Are you going to take it, me? We're going to take it? No, you take it. We oh, met at Tara Mandala, which is a, is a Vajrayana center, pretty much. The Vajrayana Buddhist, Buddhist retreat center. Buddhist retreat center, meditation center. I was there as a cook. What were you there as? Just a regular old plain volunteer? Arm candy. Oh, Yes, we always needed that at the meditation center. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm like, I don't wash my hair, I wear a bra now. I don't think I was doing it then either. <laughs> I have photo evidence <laughs> that you were not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we met 15 years ago. We met, it's in southern Colorado, outside of Pagosa Springs, about 17 miles south of Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and the southwestern corner of Colorado, near New Mexico. What's, the, what's your first memory of uh, meeting me? Um, I have a memory of, of you being very, like, surly and smoking. Yes! <laughs> and, uh, no, but you were also, you were kind of, like, dismissive. Like, you were kind of like, ugh, this bitch. And, um, but then I have a memory of the second summer that, um, we were in the kitchen and, and, and you kept telling me to do something and I kept like doing it wrong or whatever. <laughs> and you were like, no, I said this. And you would get really, really, really mad. And I kind of thought it was all sort of a joke. And, um, yeah. And then I have my, my favorite memory of us at Tarmondo where, <laughs> we were we were like having like some type of meeting with Sultram and 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 I had and they were singing that song like aloka aloka means light and and I turned to you and I like said it in a funny way and you started laughing and then Sultram got mad at you and you were like why are you mad at me (laughs) I I remember that yeah I, don't have I definitely was getting caught for your shenanigans. I was always on the tail end of the shenanigan, uh, which is pretty much the story of my life, but that's okay. <laughs> I think it's, it's one of those funny things that I've definitely, I've definitely been the instigator at times. And then I've also been that person that like laughed at the wrong moment or like, Oh yeah. You know, and then, so, then someone gets mad and you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Um, this one time when I was like controlling Eric, uh, who I went out to Tarbondola with, we, we like slept in a meditation room, meditation meeting room, not a shrine room. So all those Buddhists out there, don't get your panties in a bunch. And, um, and I remember you were not supposed to, but it was something that like couples did to get some privacy. And, um, and then the next morning, like someone tried to get in and then they like went and got the key and they unlocked it and I got in so much trouble and Eric got in 0.0 trouble and I remember being like why like why am I in so much trouble about this and he was like this is just kind of who you are and I was like (laughs) except 
accept your circumstances. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. Um, okay, so we met at Charmamba, which is a Buddhist retreat center founded by um, Lama Tsultram Aleone, who at that time we just knew as Sultram, who was uh, at that time author of um, one book called Women of Wisdom, which is a tremendously important book to American Buddhism. She's since also written Feeding Your Demons, which I think a lot of people know her from, and Charmamba has been really, really um, built up, but um, when you arrived, and I'm throwing you a softball here, it was not built up. No, it was the last wild summer. It was um, a platform for a kitchen, um, all gas and generators. Um, as a cook, it was interesting because we were hosting the largest to date retreat, uh, which I believe was like 50 people, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple more, maybe a dozen more, but uh, from a platform, like under a tarp. Um, it was, it was really special. Um, I personally had never camped before I got to Taramandala. Mm. And so it was my first time like living in a tent and uh, I was the breakfast cook for the most part. So I was waking up at like 5 a.m. and blowing a conch shell, which was so weird. And like, I, yeah. Did you say conch shell? Because what I heard you say was <laughs> What did you hear me say? Naughty, naughty friend. conch <laughs> shell. And I was like. Oh, a cock shell. Yeah, it was a cock shell. Conch. Was it a conch? It was a conch. Shell. A conch. Oh no, we did an <laughs> accent. <laughs> promised yourself no accents, otherwise, yep, go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, um, only alien up, accents. Back up for a second. How did you end up at Charmamba? How did you find out about it? Um, I was working um, in the beauty industry in salons. <laughs> 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 I don't know what that was about in my entire life you never say beauty industry i know okay cut cut um yeah no i was working at a really popular salon in my my hometown and uh i was working like three jobs and also in massage therapy school and um, I was really struggling with like substance abuse and um, kind of hit an overdose point and reached out to one of my instructors who had been a retreatant there, but also had like built a structure out at Tarot Mandala, um, one of the uh, cabins that people stay in. And so I kind of approached him and was like, hey, like, I think I'm going to die. Like, this is not manageable anymore and he was like you know give me a couple weeks and he took a couple weeks and am I, what are you doing weirdo i don't know no it's just funny that you're like you're like i think i'm gonna die he's like give me a couple weeks <laughs> <laughs> just don't die in two weeks time <laughs> we'll see can you imagine that happening today today you're like i'm in trouble i think i'm gonna die and people would be like Oh my God, we have to get something done now. But like, yeah, I find that interesting. 15 years ago, we had, we had two weeks at least. To, we had two to not, weeks, man. Yeah, the good old days, right? Um, where you had two weeks to deal with the problem instead of one hour or 
however long it takes to deal with problems these days. No, but like, I'm like one minute late for my, for teaching a lesson and people are texting me being like, are we having a lesson today? And I'm like, yes, I'm one minute late. <laughs> like <laughs> one minute late. Um, yeah, I could, I could totally, I mean, I dig what you're saying. Cause like, I, it just felt natural to, I, I think that it was a good lesson to learn. Like this guy's not going to just jump in and tell me, like, well, go do this or go do that. Like, he gave time to, like, really think about it. And he offered me, you know, this opportunity that changed my entire life. Were you still doing, can I, can I ask, were you still doing, like, hard drugs during the two weeks? Um, I, that's a good question. I know that I was definitely drinking a lot. Um, I almost overdosed and I think I was a little freaked out. So I probably, I know that I did use hard drugs right before I left for Tara Mandala. Um, and you know, like it, it still was there. I mean, it wasn't like I was someone that was seeking them out per se. Like I was just in that crowd. It was just a party crowd. It just, you know, I'm bartending and someone like hands me some pills. Like it, it just was so easy. And I think that's a really hard time to escape from too. Like when it's easy, when you're not like, Oh no, I'm completely broke and I've lost everything because I'm on drugs. This was, it was different. I mean, I, I was still self-medicating, but like, I yeah. wasn't suffering like other people do when it comes to yes. using those types of drugs. So I cannot I mean, imagine ever be, if someone in a bar was ever like, here's some pills. I can't imagine me ever being like, I'm okay. I, I would be like, Oh my God, what are these? You're trying to kill me. <laughs> but it's I mean, not. did your parents do something right? Cause I feel like I'm opposite. <laughs> This is a true statement because I've had like food allergies since I was like a little kid. My mom, when she cooks, doesn't matter who she does this to. And it took me really a long time for me to like realize that not everyone does this. But I don't know if you recognize it as Thanksgiving when she like when she, she brought her dish, she told you every ingredient in it. I did. I, you know, I, I think that it didn't outright like stand out to me, but maybe that's just because that's. Yeah. And she does, she does that to this day that like, I'll go over there because I'm like their grocery deliverer now. So I bring over the groceries and she'll be like, oh, do you want like lunch or whatever? And she's an amazing cook. So the answer is always yes, please. And she'll be like, this is a cabbage salad with blank, 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 blank. And I, I sort of like grew up that way because we, we had so many food allergies. So, so I think if someone handed me like a pill in a bar, I'd be like, well, now what are the ingredients in this? <laughs> does this have lactose in I've Is never asked the ingredients of a pill ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll stop interrupting you, and I'm going to stop interrupting you by taking my vitamins. Do it. Do you know what are in those? Yes, I do, because, this, well, this one I do because it's nature-made, but this one is just comes in a tube with a piece Ooh, of Ooh, mystery vitamins. <laughs> flaxseed oil in capital letters. <laughs> So here's hoping that's what it are is. Are you think bar pills are, are dangerous? No, the thing is that I have, to, I have taken a, a whole bunch of unknown substances in like in the setting of like Buddhist ceremonies where someone hands you like a pill to take like a real boo, a blessed substance, and I swallow it down. And that is interesting. 
Or they yeah, like, they I mean, in your hand and you're like, my car. Yeah. And then, but if I were at a bar and someone was like, hey, hey, take this pill, I'd be like, no, you're trying, no, you're trying to rape me. I mean, I would just like to say in this moment that we should never take bar pills and that I was an idiot when I was 21 years old. (laughs) Sure, sure. No, I understand. And most 20 year olds are idiots. So, um, and I'm, I'm well beyond that now to say that. I still am an idiot and I'm, I'm a, um, a virile 40 year old. I I think I'm going to come out and say it. I'm 40. You're 40. You're only 40 for like another, what, like week and a half or something? <laughs> How dare you? Dear fucking 40, man. I ran four miles yesterday and I washed all my floors. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's being 40 with Ravenna. <laughs> that's my side project. Being 40. With yeah. Ravenna. Being 40. Okay. okay. So you've got to turn model at Jesus Christ's thing forever. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, friends. Okay. I think we're at level eight. Okay, I'm going to take my vitamins. You tell your story. Yeah, so I, uh, two weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two weeks later. (laughs) Shit. All right, you know what? I'm going to tell my side, and we'll come back to you because you've lost it. Okay, I was not doing hard drugs. I had dropped, well, I hadn't formally dropped out of my PhD program, but I was, I was on a leave of absence from my PhD program in sociocultural anthropology at Yale University, and I hated it. I hated every, basically every waking second of it. And so I went to go live at Karma Trolling, which is a um, Shambhala Buddhist retreat center, land center. How did you know about Karma Trolling? Because uh, my mom had been taking me there since I was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did my first retreat there when I was 14, and uh, they served this disgusting squash dish. And I remember thinking, like, thinking that there was a correlation between, like, squash and Shambhala for some reason. And um, I hate squash to this day. But, um, so I was at Karma Trolling and, um, and I was kind of reading my way through the library there. They have like this kind of awesome, like, it's not a big library, but they have a, they have a library that uh, people have been contributing books to for decades. And so you can find all these really, really cool, um, not easy to find books and, um, and I came across, and I've always been super interested in, you know, historical women in Buddhism, the feminine in Buddhism, all of that stuff. Um, and which Shambhala kind of tends to put in this little compartment. So it's like, sort of like Women's History Month, um, which I think it really doesn't quite work. And um, I came across this book called Women of Wisdom by Sultra Malioni, and it just, it totally blew my mind. Like in terms of books that have changed my life, that book utterly utterly changed my life has this long kind of rambling beginning about like you know feminine principle and like Sultram's life story and she's had an incredible life um but then the part that I was really obsessed with is that she 
when she was in Nepal, she worked with someone to translate, and they are loose translations. I know this from going back to graduate school and retranslating some of it. Um, these namtars or hagiographies or secret biographies of several historical women, Jomo Memo, Machik Lubdran, and I, I had just never heard these stories before. And, um, and I really became obsessed and I read it several times. And then, then I was fired from Karma Trolling, which is another story that involves sexual harassment and total misconduct, not in my part. And my boyfriend, Eric, and I went out to Shambhala Mountain Center, so, uh, which is in Red Feather Lakes, Colorado, which is another Shambhala Land Center, which is incredibly beautiful and stunning and magical. And we worked out there for a bit. I was helping coordinate a month long retreat. And then they were supposed to have this really big Abhisheka, the very first Rigdon Abhisheka. And I just, I just really, really, really wanted to go to Taramandal. And this was kind of a big turning point in my life, honestly, because I think if I had stayed and done the Rigdon Abhisheka, like my relationship to Shambhala would be pretty different. And, and, you know, now Shambhala has like really fallen apart due to a, a lot of terrible misconduct. Um, and so I, Eric and I, uh, rented a car with this guy who we like paid to drive us down and then take the car back up. And he had kind of a mental breakdown on the way. It was very surreal, very, very strange. And we got down there and um, we just kind of showed up at the land. And I think we were just sort of general like volunteers. Like I remember kind of helping clear trails and helping in the office. And I just sort of, Peter would kind of point us and be like go and then and then we would go and um and do whatever that activity of the day was it wasn't like you like you had like an actual job job and um and we lived we were in a yurt for a bit and then we were in a tent and that's that's how I got to the land and by the way for people who aren't really familiar with the kind of the retreat center scene usually these places are just called like the land people that's how you know, yeah, Shambhala. you're living. You're living on the land. You stay on the land. The there land. could be there could be weeks and weeks that you don't leave the, land. leave the land. And it's and it's it's not just work, right? You know, you get up and you do morning practice and you eat together. And there really is a sense of community building and shared work and shared practice. And then at that time, also shared like fuckery, just like just hanging out and doing stupid shit together. Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you live there, like, year-round, the community gets even tighter. Like, once, you know, a lot of the volunteers and all the retreatants are gone, and it's, like, you and 25 people all the time. It's a different thing. I'm so glad that I had that experience. I lived there. I had a couple of breaks, but I lived there for, like, a year and a half, yeah. I was supposed to be there for three months. Like I left my job in Shreveport and I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. And everybody in Louisiana was like, you're joining a cult. And I was like, well, cool. That's what I'm doing. And uh, I remember getting to Pagosa and having the directions given to me at the office in uh, downtown Pagosa at the time. 
and having them, you know, tell me if you feel lost, you're on your way. And, and like, it was like, oh shit, what did I do to myself? Like, I've never camped before. Like, what am I doing? And I drove out and I, my first memory was not knowing how to pick a campsite (laughs) and -hmm. picking one that was like kind of on a slant. So my tent is fancy and like swarms of no CMs are like binding us. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. And I start crying. And my best friend at the time, uh, Jamie, she drove me out. We took like this long road trip and had a good time. And she was like, bitch, I didn't drive you all the way here to take you back home. And so that's how I got to stay. But I remember walking down to the kitchen, which was a platform and a tarp. And our Belgian friend was there in the kitchen. And he he had kind of a spicy uh, attitude towards life. And he was in his dragon speedos. And he yelled at me. And I was like, I want to go home. I don't know if I ever saw him wearing a shirt. Yeah. You know what? Still does it. Ooh. <laughs> one thing that i like fucking hate about getting older is that like there is so much pressure to not really live in community that you are you know supposed to kind of form your own little like branch and have your own little you know your house and your your partner and your children or like whatever but i think that like i what i loved about living at dharma center is is that and there are a lot of downsides, but there, but a lot of the upsides is you meet people that you would never meet. Like you and I would never have met. Like, you know, I'm from Connecticut. You're from Louisiana. Like this was our only point of intersection. And then you have to kind of troubleshoot a lot of stuff that, so if you're not going to leave the land for, you know, or a month at a pop, you, you end up with these like little economies that I loved about clothes sharing and then kind of little medicinal communities about, I remember you know, my joints were really hurting and someone was like, oh yeah, you, you pick this flower. And so I ended up picking a whole bunch of these like herbs and then taking this bath like in all these herbs. And, and you just end up doing things that I think continue to shape my life that, you know, how I eat, how I consume It's all been deeply shaped by the fact that I spent, I don't know, three or four years of my early 20s, like, or no, more like five or six years of my life in and out of Dharma centers, you you know, and for me, I only spent one winter at one, but like, I would go spend two or three months a summer, and then do that and two or three months here, two or three months there. And um, I miss that. Let's wrap this up. Let's maybe let's talk about some of the topics that we're going to maybe approach in our podcast. And yeah, so that- sounds good. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we're both business owners, so we'll probably chat about that on occasion. Um, yep, or doodles. Yeah. Uh, you are a um, esthetician. I am an esthetician in the beauty industry. <laughs> <laughs> How come you've never worked on me? Huh? How come I'm not more beautiful? I told you I had that huge hair between my eyebrows for days. But I think that hair is beautiful. <laughs> That's true. You're like, you're like I'm a waxer who hates waxing people. And I'm a cellist and cello teacher. Well, right now in the pandemic, I really am. I'm really just a cello teacher because there's very limited performance. 
Um, some of the things I want to talk about include hysterectomy, general like vagina topics. Um, I want to talk about what's been happening in Shambhala and American Buddhism in general. I want to talk about mental health, in particular, my interest in brain spotting. And I want to talk about uh, my reoccurring topic. What are Marvin Sheila up to? We really need to know what Marvin Sheila are up to. And uh, I think the only other topics we'd really add to that list is uh, cats. Um, <laughs> what are the cats up to? What are Marv and Sheila up to? What are the cats up to? These are the things that really keep us going. You have other things you want to talk about. You have mental health topics yourself. Yeah, definitely. We're, I mean, I, I think that we love to share different modalities with each other when it comes to like mental health and maintaining, maintaining our mental health. For me, I kind of tend to be more on the like drinking herbs and I do love the tapping you shared with me. The EF, is it EFT tapping? So uh, little things like that and just little life hacks that, that I do every day. Um, I'm sorry, did you just say life hacks? It's like I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I just am trying to get you to look at the camera. <laughs> tips and tricks, girls. We got tips and tricks. Okay. Um, like, if you ever use garlic for a um, yeast infection, please, please use cheesecloth. Oh, my God. That's a life hack. That is a story for another day, although it's true. And uh, I think I definitely want to talk about things like divorce. Not not like the emotional side, but like in terms of a societal process, I had no idea like how many steps it took. So I think it's, it's a pretty wide ranging podcast, although we obviously aim to have a humorous take on these topics. This is not going to be the most serious podcast you've ever listened to. Definitely irreverent. Definitely probably not appropriate for children since I apparently can't go for a half an hour without swearing. And Audra tells stories that involve cheesecloth. So um, yes, be, be, be forewarned. Okay. It's not yogurt, friends. We're not doing yogurt over here. <laughs> We're not making yogurt. Disgusting. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.